when I go to work, uh, and I, and I, uh, you know, I'll be down there lecturing or something like that. I'll make mention to my accent, either students or colleagues about, Oh, you don't have an accent. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yes, I do. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I know it's bad down here, but you know, my family still, everyone in my family, uh, who's also from Powell County, they make fun of me because my accent just like never went away. Um, uh, we can start talking about accents okay. and, uh, Dave, how, you know, Dave has no home or culture. Uh, we don't know where he comes from. Nope. Nothing impressive. There. Nope. Just, just, Dave's a, just a mystery. I <laughs> wouldn't go that far. You just take one glance at your Twitter feed to see what you're doing at all hours of the day. Like what, what is Dave doing right at this very moment? All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. If you don't like where this is going, look away, look away. hates this movie that he picked that's what i assume because i can't see derek you gotta be with me on this derek of uh your list okay. my command and uh the grand gesture uh which is a better podcast though i was gonna say i'm glad you put that in the right order of importance your list my command and the grand gesture good good he noticed he just ignored that i'm start talking about the grand gesture yep. which is much better <laughs> why do you think i interrupted you <laughs> yes <laughs> I need to reverse the order as I have it listed uh, on my I was amused that when you – I got a, um, an ad or whatever for this new venture of the, the two of you. And at least when I glanced at it, <laughs> Derek was not following his own podcast. And I'm like, what does that say <laughs> about the material that's being produced? He just says there? Derek is lazy. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the uh, cover <clears throat> art. Uh, to Dave yet, so I was like, well, I'm not going to follow it until I'm actually a part of this. I choose to believe that that's some sort of signal to the rest of us. Like, I'm not really uh, verifying this as quality. I think that Dave, and Dave, just you just be quiet. Let me and uh, Derek pick on you. I, I would imagine he has nothing in common with the folks in this film. He doesn't understand uh, their troubles, doesn't understand their pain, and is looking at this as almost like a sci-fi uh, picture. <laughs> starring uh, Jeff Bridges and unfortunately the other guy who is like going to be like the focus of at least five minutes of my of this podcast because do you mean Timothy Bottoms the greatest name in cinema history where, where the fuck did he go <laughs> what happened to him like I, I I'm not saying anything negative about the guy I, I thought he was really good here but clearly like in a vehicle that made movie stars um, I don't know what happened to Mr. Bottoms he should have probably changed his his uh stage name to but, Tim uh, sorry i couldn't help myself <laughs> I, just, I mean if you want to make a career pivot i, I yeah. think either name works no. if you want to go to a different type of filmed entertainment but anyway we're not talking about uh, poor mr bottoms we're talking about <laughs> poor mr dave and uh how he uh he doesn't get this at all uh Wait, so do you want Dave's response to no, your no. organization? No, <laughs> or, or do you want me to co-sign this slanderous talk? That's an easy co-sign. You just yeah. rubber stamp this and just pass it on. I think if, if anything, Dave watches this film and says, oh, those people are quaint. Right? <laughs> Look at them with their small problems. <laughs> I wish the world worked that way for me. Is that how Derek and Dave internalize life? Wow! I think, By hitting I, each other with bottles, yeah. That's, that's, I I think that uh, the way you're you're 
setting Dave up is great. Like he's Sarah Jessica Parker in some New York rom-com where it's like, his life is so busy. How can he have it all? How can he get it together? Look at these simple people. <laughs> so what do you think, Dave? You, you picked this movie, but I don't know. Uh, I didn't check your reviews or anything. Um, I'm sure they were fine. Uh, not worth a like or anything. Sure. But... Probably not. Probably not. So first, before I get into what I think about this movie, I just saw this on IMDb about as you called him, Mr. Bottoms. Tim um, Butt, as Derek called <laughs> Says, in an effort to break free of his sensitive stereotype, he delved into stranger characters with the crazy world of Julius Bruder and Roller Coaster. These efforts were less successful, however, and he quickly began to discover his film co- career slipping away at the early age of 26. Jesus. So, <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's a little dark. Well, little somewhat- I, I took a little bit of issue just with, the, I guess, the, right at the top, where it's like to get away from his what emotional sort of like uh i don't i don't know what he's he's playing like the sad bastard right in this movie he's he's playing the one that feels uh jeff bridges is the impotent jock or whatever who's just like i guess angry that uh yeah, he's just, just an anger ball That's yeah there for. uh had he de- at the age of 26 of his career was slipping away why did he think oh i don't want to be typecast i need to i've got such a legacy of film credits at the age of like 22 that i need to pivot here uh, unfortunate. He's really good here. Yeah, but enough yes. about him. Dave, what's wrong with you? <laughs> See, I feel like I've been placed in this role of the heel mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. just because I am more cosmopolitan than my other two co-hosts. Um, and yet he no, wonders I, how he's been placed in the heel when he drops sentences like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a big mystery. Um, so the reason I chose this um, is that we were, you know, we had done another movie about a small town. So I was like, okay, this is, so I looked up like, okay, small town movies on all of these lists. And this was a movie like I'd always kind of heard about, didn't really know anything about it until I listened to, uh, you must remember this. They did a whole season on Polly Platt, who was Bogdanovich's uh, kind of co-conspirator in a lot of his movies. And the talent, was in you a, mean. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I was pretty proud of my letterbox review of this. I said, Polly Platt is one hell of a director. Uh, so I just get my shot at Bogdanovich there. Um, so that was, that was the reason I picked it and everything I'd heard about is kind of like, this is kind of the quintessential naturalistic movie, right? Is that it doesn't feel like a production. It doesn't, the performances don't feel like acting and the world it creates also doesn't feel false. Uh, cause there's a lot of movies. I think Ebert talked about this in his review. There's a lot of movies that like, they'll use music from the time to set the stage for when and where this is, but it's a rare movie that can truly make you feel that um, and not just feel like, oh yeah, I know that song. It's from 1950, so that's where we are. But this really feels like a specific time and place, and I think the black and white cinematography really helps with that. And obviously, like, there's this is just, I mean, this movie has just great performances up and down. Like, I, I think it got nominated for like four different Oscars for acting. Um, like, so they were like competing against each other for awards. And it's, I will say it's, it's worthy of every good thing that everyone has said about it. Um, I think, I think it's incredible. Um, have you so, noticed sorry, how sorry. he's talking about this? Derek, he's, he, there's such distance there. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the <laughs> Academy liked it and Ebert liked it. And I guess small we give these towns. little people look, one movie. Look, look, hold on. My small hold it's a good like, enough movie. <laughs> just because my sexual awakening didn't have to do with this movie like it did Derek uh, doesn't mean I have distance from it. Just because he has an is, unhealthy obsession with Cloris Leachman. Uh, I, mean, I, host, 
I host a couple shows with uh, our acquaintance, Hiro, uh, the, the man from Florida. And when he is attacked, he just is back into a corner and just starts throwing <laughs> shots at whomever is, is closest. And that was a clear, get yep. me out of this. Derek, what's wrong with you, you dirty pervert? Yes, you dirty. So answer the, answer the question. <laughs> so answer the question, Derek. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'll say that I've always enjoyed this film because it, it is a story about the lives of people uh, like us. White, people. M- white middle American. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I relate to every character. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the first time that I watched this. It was a, I mean, I was a, a teenager. Um, and Dave knows this because we had a, a texting conversation about this. I don't know how long ago where I had said something to the effect of really enjoying last picture show. Did I say something specifically about Cloris? Uh, Cloris Leachman, I couldn't remember. Yeah, it came up because Cloris Leachman had just passed away. Oh, yes. Uh, And you asked me if she died, and I was like, yeah, she did. And then you went into this whole diatribe (laughs) about the greatest sex scene in all of film. It's like a Darth Vader no moment. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I missed my shot. It's over. I will say, and I don't don't feel any shame about uh, admitting it, when I watched it as a teenager, um thinking about the Timothy Bottoms character and the experience of like, because again, it's not just something I play up. I was always into like older women, um, even as a teen. And I was like, man, he's got it made here. Like he's got this, this PYT. That's a pretty young thing for those of you who are not initiated. Um, he's got her, uh, she's in love with him. Like she's, she's all about him and he's going to, to drop her for that whore. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought at the time. I, I kid you not. I was so upset that he would drop her for Sybil Shepherd. I I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like this sweet, wonderful woman who'd been kind of neglected and overlooked, and you could tell she found her voice in the fact that he appreciated her. Right? Like it was. She found her level of value and worth because obviously her husband showed no interest to her. Um, wasn't even interested in their marriage, and then he really just exploited it for a time whether he admits that or not and then there she she sat she sit right waiting for him to to come to her and he's off hanging out with that that girl and that killed me that i'll never forget Hmm. thinking man he's wasting like the best moment of his life with with this wonderful woman (laughs) and that, so that's what I do think about every time I watch this film. Was I can see obsessed. I can see Mike getting ready to defend Sybil Shepherd. Um, ready. I don't. I don't need to defend Sybil Shepherd, especially in the seventies. As yeah. uh, well, and especially an with Magdonovich. I mean, he he defended her just fine. So I guess. So I oh, look okay. I have a very different experience than than Derek. I probably was disgusted <laughs> and God, revolted uh, by the the happenings in this small town in uh, Texas, but. Uh, I have to admit I was underwhelmed when I saw it. I think I, it was a blind buy on DVD or something like, and, uh, I was <clears throat> age appropriate to the, the characters at the, the time, the two young men that were going to follow Dwayne and Sonny. Um, I didn't really get it. I was like, well, that was, that was like nice, I guess, like you know, the story. And I, I liked the way it looked cause that was, uh, then and now, um, it does set itself apart being a seventies yes. film and, and black and white and seems to, I don't want to say be beholden, but honoring, um, not just the, the time period as far as the way of life, but also the movies of the time, because it's some of the, uh, 
the the cuts like there's a jump cut to to like a, a broom uh towards the end of the film in the street which i think now would would play as comical or it would be something like you would see in uh ace ventura where it's like oh we have to we have to stylistically amp up the drama here and that probably got played out uh like period acting of the time where now it comes across as a little bit like a farce of emotions if you are not accustomed to more theatrical performances of the day. Uh, I did like what you said, Dave, about it being naturalistic, because I don't think the film is, but the performances are. So it's this weird meshing of seeing real people acting in um, not necessarily the most dramatic fashion. Uh, I could see, I mean, Sybil Shepard's JC is someone who is trying to create drama, so she plays it up a little bit more, but certainly... Uh, everyone else uh, seems like a very like lived in person and feels a part of that that town community. But when you stand step back from it, it is weird that it's like they're going small town to the extreme. That um, and maybe that's how it feels when you're that age, when you're like a teenager coming though? into adulthood, where it's like you're really the only people on the planet. It's like they're yes. they're just wandering yes. the streets completely by themselves, and it's like the well, especially the, that opening, right? Like because I'd never seen this movie, so I was mm-hmm. like. Is this like some sort of like weird apocalypse? Like there's no one right. in this town. I was like, and then slowly it kind of opens up. So it's a really, I think it's a really interesting way to begin it. So putting it in, into perspective, right? And I know, again, this is far removed from what Dave would experience, big city <laughs> man here. Uh, the, the town that, that I grew up in, I think, has a population of... 12,000 people? I thought, right? I thought you were going to say 12. You paused. <laughs> I was like, wait. It's uh, me and, It's the same. Uh, you say 12,000, Dave, because there's that 12. He's like, oh, my it's God. Just, there's just, no one. It's just Derek's family. They own the town. No one else is there. You know, if you're asking about the, the uh, as far demographically, the blacks, yes, it is just my family <laughs> in Dow County. Um, like, you are the only one on that po- on this podcast who can say that terminology yes, in that way. No one so. else can say the blacks. Um, so, but okay. So, to a couple of points here, right? You know, you're on a podcast. Well, it's a movie podcast, so you're on with uh, white guys, most assuredly. Yeah. Uh, you definitely know whenever that <laughs> anything like that comes up, and the silence and the nervous <laughs> giggles from the other two people on the show. <laughs> Even if one of them is your friend, they still get silent. Um, or two. Two's fine. I guess. Podcast? One of them. I wanted, I wanted you all to try to figure out which one it was, but then Dave visibly was upset. How dare you? And I didn't even really <laughs> take that in at all. Whatever. See, Mike doesn't care about you, Derek. I just want to make that clear. He never has. He just likes to hear me talk. And uh, Okay, so... 12,000 people in Powell County, right? Like, so when you guys were talking about these, you know, you're watching this film, it's like, man, they, they feel, it feels in a vacuum where there's nothing else that exists outside of this small community. The interactions that they have with one another, uh, the football team that they have there, they put their hopes and dreams in the day in and day out realities and relationships that they have with one another and the institutions that are in that very city. And that feels very similarly to what, you know, even I would have experienced in Powell County with, yeah, there's 12,000 people, but really there's like 4,000 people and you know all of those individuals. And I, I think about the idea that it, you know, when you're looking at it feels very lived in and very like real and it's a drama, but it doesn't feel like they're being dramatic and it follows everything in, in line with the, the specific period. It kind of reminds me of obviously a different uh, theme, but like Mad Men, right? Like when you watched Mad Men, 
you didn't feel like they were trying to be 1962, right? Like it doesn't right. feel like they're they're purposely wearing polyester because polyester was in then, um, or they're you know they're playing Sam Cooke just because. No, it's it's just because you know that's actually what Don's listening to today. Because it's 1962 mm. there, and we're getting that opportunity to watch a documentary of his life, hmm. and that I, I thought I of, think, uh, I thought of that with Dazed and Confused, which yes, is, yeah, <laughs> you all know Dave in particular. Like if you say, "Hey, what are you doing this week?" I'll be like, "I'm watching Dazed and Confused," and it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, of course uh, you are." Um, uh, very different uh, high school uh, movie uh, in the sense that they really want to just get that like last night, uh, you know, going into senior year. They want the uh, the the kickoff of summer, and this <laughs> they're realistic in their own ways. Like this one, it has that. I think this one plays more like it's being recounted from age, where it's like events just kind of mesh together. It's like this was it takes place over a course of a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of mention a holiday, you know, it's like Christmas, and then I think we go it's like into November to December. next October, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, um, but things just kind of run together, and it's like you're gonna have big gaps in your memory of like, well, there wasn't really anything that happened, but it's like I remember the highlights. I remember those sort of punch ups of of youth there. But there was a uh, quote from Richard Linklater when he was talking about Days and Confused, the the soundtrack, which is strange to say now because it's like that's it's, it's hard to get pull the music from it and be like, what's wrong with what they did. Uh, at least when, on initial release, they're like, wow, you just played like the hits. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of unrealistic. And he's like, is it though? Because wouldn't right. the kids be playing the same pop songs? Whatever is playing on radio, they're just going to play the hits over and over again. Yeah. Uh, we're not, this is not <laughs> the kid that works at a record shop, like right. wanting his existence to be based on that. And this film, I, I love how the music just drifts in. And it's stuff that mm-hmm. it can have. Uh, Derek, you attacked Dave earlier saying that his review should just be, isn't that quaint? Uh, I think the music can feel that way. And I think my initial reaction as a teenager was like, oh, this is about a time period I don't care about and it doesn't really relate to me. But as you get older, you're like, well, yes, obviously I didn't grow up um, in the late 40s, early 50s, like as I'm moving into adulthood. But you realize how little like changes as far as that feeling of, of being young. I was going to ask that question to both of you um, of you know, when you're going back and you're watching this film and, and you're thinking about being a young man dealing with late adolescence, the expectations that are kind of uh, laid at your feet by your peer group um, or by society uh, in general, and that's what these these two characters are dealing with. Did you feel that? Like, did you relate now, looking back on it in this, you know, for you, Mike, in the second watch you know, or third or fourth a day for your first, do you relate to to the two characters? And secondly... And maybe this is a personal question. Did you guys have a Sam, uh, Sam the Lion character in your life or in your community? That Probably not for Dave, because that nope. community's got like 80 <laughs> billion people or whatever the number is. Um, Dave's but- so busy, he wouldn't listen to Sam the Lion's monologue. <laughs> he wouldn't sit on a log. Yeah, we got stuff to do. He'd be on his phone. Time is money, Sam. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Derek's version of me as, as a child. And I'm the Chris Tucker playing Dave. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll say for myself if there were if there was a Sam the Lion uh, character, it would be like me or one of my other friends. As far as that, you're like either you're trying to like put on a persona of like okay, this is who I am, or you're you're kind of looking to someone else and, and aping their sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know if that's that's maybe where we lose touch a little bit as far as the the period that takes place in because 
uh, dazed and confused would be far closer to what I remember of my high school experience in that I don't really remember like adult interaction. I don't remember adults being in that world as much here. And it is kind of nice that they do have this sort of mentor like figure in a way. Um, it's a forced relationship for sure, because I think they say multiple times, they're like, well, if I can't go in the pool hall, what the hell am I going to do with myself? Like there's no other, there's no other options. So they're kind of seeking that out. Um, I don't know if it's it's good or bad here because what I like the best about this character that Ben Johnson won the Oscar for, which is is cool, but it seems this doesn't necessarily seem like an Oscar type role. Uh, is you know the last time they see him, they're trying to include him in their trip to Mexico. Like, hey, we're gonna do it. Like, we're gonna do it. Like, you know, presumably you did in your day. And there is a sadness in his send off mm-hmm. to them, but I don't think it's purely just that. I'm too old for that shit now. And that time's passed me by. Like when he's, when he's talking about his lost love, certainly, but the Mexico thing, I think I read it as their sadness for these kids where it's like, uh, they're going to be just like me one day, like Mm. looking back on this is the greatest thing they ever did. And it's just, it's right now. It's just something that's just a possibility. Like, Oh, it's Friday night. Let's go to Mexico. And he's looking at them like, yeah, that's going to drift away soon where it's and in the film. It actually happens very soon to where, uh, one of them, you know, they're working in the, the oil industry, they're uh, going into the military and suddenly they've made decisions. But right now, all of that is a, is a blank page. It's uh, kind for of them. the, it's like the cliche of life comes at you fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's, he's, yeah, you guys are uh football stars today, but then a week from now, <laughs> someone will say, didn't you play 10 years ago? And you're like, no, that was, that was last, like last fall. Right. <laughs> I honestly, and, I, and this may seem silly, but I thought one of the most powerful scenes for me, and it's one I can't believe that I forgot, was you know after they take, and I can't re- remember his name, to take the the kid to go see the the heifer. Uh, the, the fact that they say heifer like that always makes me laugh. But um, and when Dave will him, not. <laughs> there was right. no such things in the city. Like, I'm, I'm trying to imagine a zodiac like scene the where the there's city. a car parked up in the California landscape. Like Dave was dealing with serial killers, not this. <laughs> these Dave, Dave's doing yeah, the mod hunter thing. People and based on where they're from. Okay. So, but we just had a brace of prostitutes in our town, not serial killers, Dave. It was much nicer. You just didn't know. It sounds nice. Yeah, that's... <laughs> the, the moment when they bring him back and he, uh, you know, Sam is obviously pissed off because he's like, you're just, it's no different than you taking the, the, the kid at school that you know shouldn't be prom king or prom queen and you vote for him just because it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just exploited him just for your own enjoyment. But the line that, that always sticks with me when is when he looks at him and it's like, you didn't, you know, you didn't even clean his nose. Like to to me, that's like the voice of like my father or any other mentor I've yeah. ever had in my life. Of like, oh, I'm having fun. I'm just doing like like silly eighteen year old stuff, and having someone say you you couldn't even clean his nose, man. Like the, you you had all your fun, and then you just you just brought him back like this. That shows how little you care about him, regardless of what you say. And that's that was that the or they're they're trying to show off to this guy that they kind of aspire yes. to be. They're like, hey, look at the the shit we got into tonight. Um, and th- there's that disconnect that th- they think they're on the same page with this dude. Um, and that, that's why you know I'll throw it back to Dave. What what was up with Tim Butts being so ashamed of his performance here? Because he's they're clearly setting up his character as possibly like the next Sam the Lion of the town. Someone that he's present, but he's also like 
kind of stepping back from this and looking like at his life as it's happening, where someone like the Jeff Bridges character, it's just whatever happens to him that day. Like he doesn't seem to know that there's any, that he has any sort of control of it. He's just like, well, I guess I'm going to the military now as if someone else has preordained this instead of him making the choices. But this kid is looking at it as far as, you know, what is this town going to be? That's, that's why he has the dramatic moment in the end where he attempts to drive away. Um, I assume that was more Dave in the, the Bay area where he knew one day this is all going to slip past me and God damn it. It's going to go horribly wrong. And I'm going to be living in Kentucky. somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> enjoy these moments while I have them. Well, I think, I think that character is, is so important to this movie, not just because he's essentially like, it's, it's not a movie that has like a single protagonist, right? It kind of bounces back and forth between all these stories, but I do think he's, you know, kind of the heart of the movie. He's the one who kind of, I think, has a little bit more more awareness about what's going on in this town. And I think you need that because if you just have this story about essentially, I mean, this is this is a story about a town dying slowly hmm. um, and has been dying for years, but you're getting a front row seat to it. Because you have this more sensitive character who's watching all of this go down and being involved in it as well. And I think if you don't do that, I think this movie is just like wholly depressing. And it's just like watching these young kids go through terrible things for no reason. But because you have a little bit of that insight through this character, I think it, it has a little bit more impact. And I, I think it's interesting how you can you can watch this movie and see people's choices and have totally different takes on it, right? So like Derek mentioned, you know, when he when he cheats on poor Cloris Leachman, his reaction was like, this motherfucker, how dare he? And I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, he's a kid. Like, you know, I, I get it. Like this is, he's clearly not going to like, he's not going to marry Cloris Leachman. Like this is not what, that's not going to be his path. <sighs> and then I started wondering as I'm thinking about this movie, you know, you had also mentioned the kind of lack of hysterics or overdramatics in this movie, except for maybe, maybe Sybil Shepard's character. And I, what I can't decide, and I wanted to kind of get both your takes on this, because she seems pretty, you know, she's pretty stuck in her own ways until her mother says, she says a line, it's something like, don't you ever want to do something just to do it? You slept with him? Mama! Go to the doctor sometime and arrange something so that you don't have to worry about babies. You do have to be careful of that, you know. But Mama, it's a sin, isn't it? Unless you're married, you know I wouldn't do that. (sighs) Don't be so mealy, man. I thought if you slept with him a few times, you might find out that there isn't anything magic about him. Then we can send you away to a good school. But I don't want to leave. Wealthy boy. Why can't I just stay here and go to college in Wichita Falls? Because everything is flat and empty here. And nothing to do. Can I have some of that? Help yourself. Don't you have any? Well, yeah, but I feel like smelling good right now. Don't you ever feel like doing anything right now? And then there's this switch. So I was wondering, do you think that's really what she wants to be doing? Or is she just once again adhering to kind of what the adults tell her? Because at first it's like, no, I wouldn't have sex. That's a sin. I can't do that. You can't do that outside of wedlock. And then her mom says, basically, yeah, why don't you just go ahead and bang one out? It's fine. Have a good time. Then you'll know that's, it's not, that, not a big Derek, deal. Upon rewatch, uh, the lowest character, played by Ellen Burstyn, that, God, she's, that's... That's where my my gaze would have gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's okay. I watched it look better in The Exorcist. Short hair. <laughs> to answer your question seriously, Dave, 
I don't I don't think she's any different than the guys here, and that she's just trying to find something to do in this mm-hmm. town. I I think she's I I don't think we're meant to look at any of those things as promises that she's going going to keep. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as uh, I'm going to be, you know, she looking back, I guess it's unfortunate. I get that the only like female, like sort of <laughs> student that we come across, which there's two, there's the, the girl that uh, they break up uh, her and Sonny early on um, are really defined by whether or not they're going to get married or not. But that's also the, the, the not only the culture, but the time period in particular. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of, I'm unlike Derek. I, I kind of like the Sybil Shepherd character that she sets out to get married, but also puts the pieces in place to get it immediately annulled and just she's make smart. it one more little I like adventure. Her. <laughs> I think she's manipulative. Um, and I'm not what? saying that in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, I think that you could misinterpret her as being incredibly impressionable. And I don't think that's the case at all. Like you're saying when her mother's like, well, oh, you just go out and do something. And she's like, mother, I'd never. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like, I think she's just like, well, I mean, I was planning on it anyway. But, I mean, since you kind of gave me this speech, I'm going to use that as my mm-hmm. my free pass, right? Like, I feel Derek, like that- not trusting the pretty blondes figures. No, <laughs> no, let her get some crow's feet first, and then maybe I'll, I'll come around the corner and hang out. But it, it just seems as though she was really good at Pull it, and everyone, like, I'll put it like this: the older women knew. I feel like, like the mm. the woman that worked in the diner who was like, "Hey, you, you're better off, you know, without JC." The mom was yeah. like, "You're better off without JC." Um, but she was really good at pulling on the heartstrings of young men um, and victimizing it if she needed to. Uh, and again, I don't think it leaves you with with the idea that we should hate her or dislike her for it because again, they're all teenagers trying to figure this stuff out and figure out what role they want to identify with. And a lot of it is from learned behaviors of the generation that came prior to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like Sonny could end up being like Sam, um, you know, Jeff Bridges's character could end up being the well off husband that's married to, you know, JC's mom, uh, that really is still in this loveless marriage. And JC could end up being exactly like her mother, right? Like they're observing, all of these things transpiring, all of the hurt and problems of of their parents that, that's kind of going on. And it's like, do I, I want to write the same script? Like, do I want to follow this path? I don't know any other path to follow at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just so much of them just trying to figure that stuff out. Um, and I don't know if you can have any sort of negative perspective or really positive, I guess, um, about any of them in that regard. I, I find JC uh, amusing, and I would have found her greatly amusing in, in high school. Uh, <laughs> whatever, I don't care. Whatever, whatever. Like if I make the the talk show ten minute guest appearance in the hotel with her, fine. Whatever. That's right. Um, Just slide I, through, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I had forgotten uh, because this is not something that I'm like greatly familiar with. Uh, I would probably give it more rewatches now. Um, uh, with my my age, because I I get to look back on it and and see it as as nice. I, whereas in high school, maybe I'm like Derek, where I as a teenager dealing with the JCs, I guess, of the world or the relative JCs in our small town, I'll be like, that's horrible. I'm never like I'm disgusted by this this <laughs> evil witch just roaming the landscape, just ruining lives left and right. But she's she's also hilarious. Like the she's fact funny. that she. 
even fucks around with Randy Quaid of all people, who looked like Randy Quaid then. Like in his God, first as soon appearance. as he shows up, I was like, "Oh, she's braiding him for like saying if she was on fire." Uh, like the 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 amount of time it's taken for him to get her unbuttoned. Like you know, it's like you would I would be dead now if I was waiting for you to to save me. Uh, and also her disgust and and surprise that he was her conduit to I guess losing her virginity. So. Instead of Randy Quaid, she settles for Jeff Bridges, young Jeff Bridges. That's a hilarious predicament right. for me, for Sybil Shepard to find herself in, like, like cock blocked again by someone else for Randy Quaid. I guess I'll settle for Jeff Bridges, <laughs> and and her shock and like awe at Randy Quaid managing to get himself married before her. It's just like I guess he went off and got married. Like can't count on anything. Can't count on the young Randy Quaid. What can you count on in this small town? Um, I. I, I like just like Days and Confused. I just like hanging out with the the people. They're they're far more. Well, I don't want to say they're. I think they're more openly cruel to each other than Days and Confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably say that as a guy because on rewatch of Days and Confused, uh, it does seem pretty horrific to be a woman. <laughs> like that one. Like the like the Parker Posey character in Days and Confused uh is funny but only funny to me in that it's like well that's the problems of the, the lady folk to have to deal with that that monster Boy, Mike, screaming if that's, her head if off if that's not an evergreen quote i don't know what is like it's just horrific to be a woman i mean it just well it's different thankfully i had dazed and confused to teach me that like that <laughs> like Thanks, no, Richard nothing else that happens in the world but uh I, I guess in that way um I was sort of lamenting that when we have the the sort of the female characters, the teenagers at least, and even the adults talking about who they married, kind of defining their life. That's unfortunate. Um, but I do like uh, JC as the the Joker uh, in this small town, <laughs> this like anarchy that just follows in her path uh, because she is not to beat on that drum, uh, but you know, women certainly have uh, power. Uh, when they are young and there's a lot of creepy dudes like giving them power, giving them like some hold over them. And I, I, that's how I read the mother character basically telling her, like, don't like make decisions. Like you sort of like do it yourself as opposed to like, just letting someone say like, well, we've been going together for a while. So I guess I'll marry you. Um, because that, that power will, will be gone. Like for, for any, anybody, like even Sam, the lion who is respected by these kids, He's a sad old man who still pines over Ellen Burstyn, which he should. Uh, me and Derek can disagree on that as far as which of the, the older ladies to go for. But um, it is interesting that these kids at times can be very attuned to that sadness and other times they don't get it at all. They don't they don't they don't see what these characters are going through. So I think that's why it played a lot better for me. Uh, in my old age. Cause I think I very much was one of those teenagers where it's like, all right, Sam, the line, Jesus Christ, just, yeah. Like <laughs> you, you may be moved. lonely, but I won't be, it, <laughs> I'm going to go get Sybil Shepherd. It's Sybil Shepherd. Wasn't she in Moonlighting with, um, I was about to go with a taxi driver. Does the movie turn for you where, uh, Robert De Niro is no longer pining over Sybil Shepherd. Like, is is that film like? Is it I hard for you? Got it. It's like yeah, why? That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Did nothing. Um, but, but I mean, it's it is a good point that when you, I'll, I'll say this: this is a film that at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, however old I was at the time, I probably didn't appreciate, even though I liked it, even though I I, I bought it, uh, didn't appreciate in the same way because I I can look at it with different eyes. And it, I can relate 
to both the Sam Lyon generation and the uh, the adolescent generation just in a different way, right? Like I know, like okay, guys, you're you are all these things that are really important to you right now are super important. I don't want to invalidate that, but all the older generation that is aware that these things are. Uh, potentially fleeting and that you know you could make some major decisions that are going to impact the rest of your life if you're not careful like i get that now in a way that i would have never gotten it at 16 and wouldn't have picked up on some of those themes uh on that watch right it really would just be enjoying the fact that everybody is so good at at the role that they're playing or whatever the case or chloris leachman um and brawn panties mm-hmm. whatever the case may <laughs> there be. it is um pointy <laughs> brawl too uh but yeah <laughs> So I'll I'll throw it to Dave because I don't have anything other. Than, I just wanted to throw in Cloris Leachman and the pointy bra. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean the the thing I find interesting. This episode started off with you all attacking me because um, I couldn't possibly relate, and it will uh, end so, that way too. I assure you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beginning, middle, end, all the same. Um, I think the only thing that as I was watching this, and I was like. Is that really like is that something that happens and obviously it is but this idea of the the adults being that involved in the teenagers lives like that's the only thing where i was like wow i never experienced that the rest of this i feel like is pretty universal stuff like just trying to figure out who you are and trying to kind of make your way in the world do i want to recreate what my parents did do i want to go out and do something different and can i that stuff all makes sense to me but the like the sam the lion stuff with him being so Intricate, intricately involved in their lives. I'm like watching these scenes and they're beautifully portrayed, but I'm watching the scenes and it just takes me out of it a little bit because that definitely was not my experience. And some of that's just Bay Area stuff, mm-hmm. not big city stuff, is that we don't talk to our neighbors in the right. Bay Area. Whereas here, like I know all my neighbors up and down my street and that is still a very strange thing for me. So that's definitely like a cultural shift that as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't resonate with me maybe as much as it would as someone from a smaller town or someone from the South. To your point, uh, I, it's funny that you say that because it immediately made me think of high school when, um, you know, like teachers uh, would always be invested for whatever reason in like who is dating who in the in these, uh, you know, in Powell County High School, right? Or, uh, you know, I remember like a parent would help with painting the the baseball jersey number um, on the shirt or on the pair of jeans of the young girl who was dating that that athlete in school. There was a heavy level of investment for whatever reason with uh, just that that next generation with what was going on with the the adolescents in our community. Um, and taking a step back, you you do have to to wonder. Is there a certain level of toxicity that is involved with living yes. vicariously through that? And I, <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I, I start to think so. Uh, you know, in what way would they, but just how positive Sam was as far as being invested in their lives. But uh, that probably wasn't always the case. Like there probably could be moments in which it would be better that they didn't have some of these individuals kind of policing what they were doing or, um, you know, kind of giving their impression of how somebody should, should engage or, or live that out. That's oftentimes how it ends up playing. Um, that it's not just this, this idea of mentorship as much as it is an opportunity to kind of ride the coattails of someone's life because yours, at least that period of your life is kind of done, right? Like you're, you're, you're in this, this, 
uh, you know, this, this era of your life in which you're not able to go off to Mexico or you're able to, you know, jump into some weird affair with, with someone who's, you know, 17 or 18 years old. We would see that, that kind of stuff when I was growing up in, in high school of not just teachers being invested, but like, like your parents or your friends, like parent being invested in what you were doing or who you were seeing or, or, you know, how you were engaging. That's, that's what you see in small uh, towns in small communities. You also see that in other cultural groups, though, though as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just talking about like being, um, you know, a a marginal, not marginalized in this discussion, but minority population, right? Like the the church that I grew up in, um, you know, there were like thirty members, um, and so everyone was really invested in kind of that all hands on deck, like raising your kids and being a part of this this black church community. When there's again, there's thirty of you. There's this is the only black church for a thirty mile radius. Like there's not very many, um, and so you had that that kind of oh, if I'm doing something wrong, if I'm out out you know outside playing um, in my church clothes, and my dad is isn't um, there that day uh, for service, and there's another deacon there that comes over and he's gonna snatch me up just as quickly as my dad would. That's something that you you, you don't see in like other cultural groups and especially in this generation in the same yeah, way Dave. so it's just different than than what you saw when you're walking on the coast um you know. <laughs> walking on the coast as if my my whole day as a as a teenager is just walking up and down the beach with your surfboard your, your, hair, with your hat on backwards and your oversized hoodie i know what you were doing in the 90s wait i'm wearing an oversized hoodie at the beach how did we what is what is happening i've seen it <laughs> I've seen it in postcards. That's the closest I've ever came to it. So, would you consider this um, that viewpoint at best a uh, reinvestment in their community by being involved in such a way? Like, I mean, I think it's certainly off-putting when you're getting into who these teenagers, uh, who these underage kids are having their first romantic relationships with, uh, being involved, I guess, from a parental point of view, maybe as far as knowing who your kids are hanging out with or whom they're involved with, sure. But yeah, the uh, the woman that works at the diner or the guy that runs the pool hall, um, I don't think it would be taken as such now. That or I guess the more the, the sad look at it is that technology has made that obsolete where everyone's expected to have that information at their mm. fingertips. <laughs> you don't have one-on-one conversations with people. You're just aware of where they were last night and what they were doing because we offer that up to to everyone that uh, can search for our name online. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that because I even as I was watching the film, I would find it in the same scene, isn't this nice? And then isn't this terrifying? <laughs> like I would go back and forth on how much I enjoyed, uh, being in that town, which I think I enjoyed my experience with it. It doesn't sell me on the fact of like, Oh, that would be an appealing life to lead. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know if we get that, that often, like that look at the, um, this time period, which the Mad Men comes a decade later, but you yeah. mentioned it, Derek, and we've talked before. I think all of us that, as, as fans of the show, that there is that sort of Scarface, I guess, factor with Mad Men, where people look at Don Draper as like, "I wish I was him," and it's like, like "Did you watch like a full episode? Because right. he's a very, he's an incredibly sad man. Like he's right. deeply unsatisfied with himself." 
and I think that tends to happen with probably the 50s and 60s in particular. Uh, maybe not from our our age group, but you get a little bit older, and that is that is seen as like the end of culture. When do you think this people would have the same reaction to Mad Men? Like I want to be like Don Draper if John Hamm didn't look like John Hamm. Like I think some of it just mm. comes from like he is like the mm. kind of the ideal, right? And then he's got the kind of cool factor with the cigarettes. So you're saying if it's and, Paul Giamatti, <laughs> right? So right? Do you think do you think everyone would be like, oh, I want to be like Don Draper? Like come ending on. after I host a show with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I'm out. I host a podcast called Trilogy Theory where my co-host would say absolutely because he's yeah, the well, only man that in his college years saw himself as a young Paul Giamatti and he wasn't saying that in a self-deprecating fashion. He well, was- <laughs> that's because your co-host is also the same one who was like, People drank and smoked weed in high school. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine this world. I can't wait that you for lived our, in, our dazed and confused episode where he is just appalled, just appalled <laughs> at the sin that he sees all around him on screen. You bring up um, a, an interesting point in that so often, right? In this like post, like all the the early like first gen or second gen baby boomers when they looked back at like the 1960s and even the 50s there is a heavy level of like romanticizing this particular period mm-hmm. you, you you know you're coming off of uh you know, like six years off of world war ii this is when the united states was uh as as um financially prosperous as it's ever been like the, the 1950s was the expansion or the explosion of middle class america so they always talked about the 50s being this great period before rock ruined everything and turned people towards the devil. Uh, it, it was this great last decade, and you don't get that in this film. What you get is mm-hmm. a town that is even further back than the 50s, honestly. Like, not, yeah. they are really stuck in like the, 19, the late like 1930s, and everywhere else has moved on um, to whatever. They're, they're, you know, they're, they've moved on to Elvis Right, like they're getting close to Elvis, and this town, for whatever reason, is you know they're they're still listening to that really slow, uh, you know, blue velvet that kind of thing. They're not very progressive because they're a city that's dying, uh, and you didn't get that. If any other film would have treated the 1950s like what we always think of with the 1950s, America's perfect. I think that's the difference of the the viewpoint being skewing older here. Um, because I, I keep going back to Days and Fuse, but it does have an appropriate line where uh, one of the characters was like, "Well, the '50s sucked. The '60s obviously ruled. Uh, the '70s are terrible. Like this, are, he's like the, the '80s have to be great. Like it's going to alternate." Um, and I think it's important that in this film, it's not the teenagers they're saying, "Oh, this fucking town. I got to blow this popsicle stand." Because they keep coming back, and at least with our main character, I think Sonny, I think he he would. If he had his sort of ideal life, he would stay if he could, if he could find work, if he had a relationship there that uh, was age appropriate, Derek, uh, then he would settle down with someone that you know wouldn't pass away on him in the next two years after after they get back from their but honeymoon. Then you don't have to worry about like leaving because you already know she's got maybe five years left. I so you're looking at you're looking at Cloris Morbid. Leachman as like your college years. Like <laughs> I'll invest four years, then I can have my second life. If you knew anything after, about me, you'd know Cloris Leachman was my college years. <laughs> oh Lord. So, I got nothing left, speak- Dave. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a question. So speaking of that relationship in particular, this is Derek's wheelhouse, right? You have you have two sexual relationships here that are wildly age inappropriate. That happened during the movie. Oh, here and comes Dave. Age California King there to ruin our fun. 
Yes. 18 year olds. But the... <laughs> so you're of, you're of the like, well, they've reached the age of consent, so go to town. Um, but I think they're presented in totally different ways, right? These two relationships. And it, it's just interesting to watch for me because it's like if you had that Cloris Leachman pairing and the genders were switched, I think we look at this totally differently but because she is in this loveless marriage and because she's a woman i think we're we look at that relationship almost like well that's okay but then the whole scene with uh um with uh with mike's favorite and the one that Derek can't stand with sybil shepherd when she's with this older man it is very it's a little like rougher it's a little more gross like we don't like the way it happens. So I was wondering what you guys thought about kind of the dichotomy of those two sexual relationships on the screen. I like your this? version. <laughs> I, yes, I just with a strange thought. What is that? The actor's name is Clue something, right? Clue he's, Gallagher. Clue, Clue, Clue Gallagher. Yeah, yes. he's a famous character actor. Um, yes, he's in. Uh, I like your version, Dave, where to make it feel less aggressive. <laughs> Do we then flip the camera to? He, he should be crying. He's crying. He He's cry. weeping on top of the full tape on top of Civil <laughs> Shepherd. Does that make it less creepy for you? If this- no, I don't think it does. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made it worse. Dave's irreversible cut. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm cutting that out of the episode. I'm editing this episode. <laughs> Just keep referencing it, Derek, and eventually he'll give it. <laughs> Don't tell him your secrets, Mike. Don't do that. So as Derek made an excellent point about the film Irreversible, uh, <laughs> I have to jump off of that. Um, I mean, I I like I like the sex scene uh, because I I don't think that it's satisfying. Uh, mm-hmm. She's trying to convince herself that it it was. Uh, it doesn't seem like <laughs> that he has developed any more skills than these other idiot <laughs> teenage kids she's fucking around with. But just by virtue of him being older, she's like, well, I guess that's how it is. It's That has to be good mm-hmm. because he should know how to do it by now. Not necessarily <laughs> Clue. You still, yeah. <laughs> still haven't. And the way this scene plays out where she reveals that to her mother, who has been fucking around with this guy, that she they now share a lover in a way, she starts to cry, but she can immediately turn it off mm-hmm. as far as like, well, that fucking sucked. That was interesting. and the, the mom is at first appalled, and then she's like, "Yeah, this is these are the things that happen." Like, uh, as far as if you stay in this town long enough, and I think Derek can can attest to that. As far as coming from a, a small town, coming from the same small town, the dating pool shrinks to the point where it almost becomes socially acceptable. Those age gaps happen earlier because they're like, "Well, there's who else?" I mean, eventually it's got to happen, right? And it's it's uh it's not the best look. But I appreciate the honesty, even for, even in a moment where it should probably be the most heightened as far as her reaction of anger. Uh, Ellen Burstyn's just, she's very practical. And I also love that the reverse of that is that she's sizing up Sonny at the end when she drops him off, like, do I want to fuck this guy? And she's like, eh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> it is, you're right, it's an element of a small town. Now, we're not saying, like, that absolves these huge gaps in made simmer romances, but, I mean... If you're 17 and a half. Derek's like, but what are you going to um, do? That's... Then you wait a couple more months, six, exactly. And um, time to make sure, make sure, keep this careful. But yeah, I think for her, I'll, I'll say this. The way in which this plays, the, the sexual scene on the pool table, um, and not just that, but just the way she plays herself this entire way through, where she's even still really manipulating him, like, Obviously, she's not invested in the fact that she just had sex with him, 
right? Like, where she's like, well, that was a really nice time. And he was like, you think you can get out of the car? And she pretends to be upset. <laughs> she's no more upset about that than any other interaction that she has. And there's some level of empowerment that is related to that because she's deciding that she's wanting to go to the pool hall. She knows what's going to happen. Um, uh, and she's not, I don't, I don't know if I, I view her as victimized in that regard. I'm not touching this at all. Would you, would you I, like a shovel, Derek? It's like, it's like, I love, I love that you started off being like, well, it's this damn 18 year old girl is the problem. It's like, she knows what's going to happen. She yeah. knows what's coming. What a blame the, the victim. It, Jesus. Okay. So had we had a scene where she is visibly <laughs> observably i'm kidding i'm not going there but i i just don't think that that's how she play how her role plays where she is being taken advantage of i think she is taking ad- advantage of her own sensuality and sexuality that's a feminist perspective there you go i'll save myself oh, is it? <laughs> i'm so glad i asked this question i can't there even you tell go. you this is I, great I, I guess ultimately i'm saying is there is a there's quite a bit of a difference i feel like between sunny's relationship um with Ruth and this this one moment of, of a sexual interaction in which uh, JC wants to know if sex is better with an older man. I honestly think that she she's like, wait, I know my mom flirts with this guy. Like or they have some thing. I saw them at the Christmas party. I wonder if he can put it down. And I, but she's going to say, okay, well, I'm I'm sweet, I'm innocent. Like you're this big man. And then she's really in the car. She's thinking, man, he sucked too. <laughs> he sucked too. Like I don't think she's thinking. I can't believe he did this to me. She's thinking, okay, I'm I'm about to get this, and he didn't mm-hmm. do the job either. Um, I think she's in control of her self. I don't think that she is just being thrown around by all of these kids and this older guy. Um, I like. So the, is this is this what women can expect from small town men? Is that <laughs> is that what you're is that what you're telling me, Derek? I just you know, just I, curious. I just think that Dave has a certain uh, perspective about how women should view themselves and their sexuality. Oh, there it is. I was going back to his point on irreversible, which was fantastic, <laughs> by the way. Um. I all, all I took from that, Derek, uh, and all that I will speak to uh, on a recorded format, going Coward. out to the masses, <laughs> is it comes back to how this conversation started, which is uh, Cloris Leachman is a fucking god in the sack. That's why it works. because yes. <laughs> she she doesn't leave a customer unsatisfied. That poor boy, even, like he'll even never touch up it again. On purpose. Show him how great it was. Is on that purpose, is that how we read that? Did everyone read that the same way, right? No. Nope. Nope. I, unfortunately, I'll be honest. When that scene happened, I just couldn't help but think of you. So it kind of ruined the moment for me. I'm like, God, he's enjoying this so much, I bet, right now that I just, I, it took me out of From it. From another just... episode that we recently did, I took butter and smacked my hands together. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're editing this episode, so. There you go. Godspeed again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I find it interesting that both during that scene, both Mike and I had the same thought. It's like, ugh, Derek, Jesus. I love that you all think because about me during sex scenes. <laughs> Just weak sex scenes where a woman is crying and a man has poor stroke game. That's the only time we think of you. Hey, look at that. The, the catty claws are coming out there. <laughs> Jesus. All I'm doing is recreating my text conversations with, Ter- with Derek in an audio format. Me. I so think now- I was in Lowe's and Dave's text me about like that sex scene and i'm just like i, I need to like put down my hammer here uh i, I mean the, the real one and, and text dave about this because it's really important and i think that's a perfect place to end this episode derek put down the hammer 
the real one. Um, Where did this and... even rank, uh, considering how how much we've besmirched this classic, Dave? What what list was this on, by the way? Uh, I think this this was on the a thousand and one movies. So this wasn't uh, on so AFI. No. Wow. No. That, that's kind of no. surprising me that the American Film Institute could not put this one you know, on the list. One thing I'm noticing is that the AFI, there's, you know, for the types of movies they're looking at, they do lean a lot more towards kind of crowd pleasers hmm. uh, than they do like the true kind of like independent film hmm. stuff. Um, I think if you look at that list, you're not going to find a lot of movies that you're like, oh, this is the ind- indie film darling. Because that's kind of what this is. Like, Bogdanovich had only done, like, a couple movies before this, and they weren't very highly thought of. And this kind of came out of nowhere um, to be this hit. Um, but it was – and if you look at the way it's filmed, it's such an indie film. And I guess, you know, we have, you know, a director we've talked about on the show before to thank for that. Because he talked to Orson Welles about this movie, and Orson Welles was the one who told him, like, you should film it in black and white. So that's why we have this look that stands out in this movie. That's why he's the the greatest auteur, where it's like he's probably (laughs) feasting on pasta and whatever, like, meats around. He's like, I don't know, black and white. (laughs) Fine. genius! Even the theatrical poster, I think, is, is, like... It's iconic for me. Just that, just huge sheet of white and this small city that's like fading off into the distance. Mm. Um, is it's it's just I don't know. I, I find it to be an iconic film that really doesn't doesn't get mentioned nearly enough, and is one of the greats of the past forty or fifty years. There you go, Dave. A compliment to you yeah. for watching this sci-fi space opera as you consider it. <laughs> Yes, and watching it totally blind, just going in knowing nothing about it other than uh, Derek's unfortunate obsessions. Um, and speaking of Derek's unfortunate obsessions, Derek, why don't you tell us about the new podcast uh, that you've begun? I, I haven't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to be serious and I saw Mike start to laugh. Uh, so Dave and I are actually starting a brand new podcast called Your List, uh, My Command. Uh, the trailer is actually already out for it. Uh, you can find us on what? What are we on, Dave? <laughs> says, a man, says a man who will not listen to it. <laughs> I don't know how to acquire this. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're you, uh, other things as well. Yeah, so you're asking <laughs> all, all podcasters. Now listen, be fair. If, if anyone's actually still going to be listening to this episode after an hour and a half, um, this is the first time I've ever actually had a sale. A podcast that I'm on because normally someone just kind of takes the lead on that. So mm-hmm. next time I'll have something written down uh, that will be prepared <laughs> by Dave that I'll be reading off. <laughs> it's like me, the puppeteer. <laughs> just say it. Just fucking a, say it. A post it note that's attached to his monitor. <laughs> like, oh yes, his eyes <laughs> glaze over. <laughs> that's the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Say it or your family uh, will be murdered by 12 o'clock. <laughs> Hyphen Dave, thanks, man. So, do you want to try and sell it so I can put this together, or are you, are you done? I, I thought that was the sell joke. That is the best sell that I can. Listen, or Dave will murder you. That is uh... all right. Fair is enough. You're at your list pod on Twitter, correct? Yes, there you that's go. correct. Yes, absolutely. And Mike, our next episode, we're going to be sticking with uh, small towns. Uh, so we're going to be watching Dream Horse. Oh yeah. Um, which is, you know, the big the big uh, cinema release, <laughs> DreamWorks. Uh, we're not going to take a look at the horror movie that's coming out. Nope. We're going to look at small towns in Wales who get uh, focused on horse racing. We're going to watch Dream Horse. So <laughs> that's coming up next. It's exciting.
Yes, absolutely. So, um, so follow us on Twitter at Offscreen Death and on Instagram at the Offscreen Death, and we'll talk to you next. That's time. how you do it. <laughs>